Hello and welcome back to the Florida Hockey Podcast. Justin Bedford alongside Noah Russo. And grab your peanuts and popcorn. Baseball is back. That's right. Teams will be getting back out on the diamond this week. Last year's season sure was different, but that doesn't mean it lacked excitement. And this year is poised to be even better. DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports, is putting you on the field with a free shot at a share of millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried it yet, fantasy baseball is easy to play. Just pick 10 players, stay under the salary cap, and pile up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. There's no better way to put your baseball knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars throughout the week. But if baseball isn't for you, don't worry. DraftKings is offering plenty of fantasy golf action for this weekend's tournament. With millions of dollars and total prizes up for grabs this week, there's no better place to have skin in the game than with DraftKings. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars up for grabs this week with your first deposit. That's promo code THPN to get a free shot at a share of millions of dollars with your first deposit only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, doing all right. Doing all right. Busy week. Uh, busy week. But, you know, uh, do, doing all right. Pretty pretty stoked. The Panthers were able to, to gut out that win last night uh, after dropping the last couple. Uh, what have your thoughts been of the Panthers' overall play during this recent stretch? Um, I've liked it. Uh especially the game against Chicago that they lost. I think it was Patrick Kane's one th- like 1,000th game is just getting unlucky. Like the looks were there, but I, I it just, they, they weren't able to execute and I, not, not a big deal, you know? Yeah. It's to me, it was like one of those ones where it's like, I don't wouldn't say they played particularly poorly, but I think we have seen them play a lot better this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with Alexander Barkov being out of the lineup uh, the last few games, which is just a huge loss for this team. Uh, We talked, you know, earlier about, you know, is Alexander Barkov, you know, in the MVP conversation. And I think you can notice the impact that he has on this team when he's not there. Like it's a very noticeable, you know, omission. And so hopefully he gets back in here soon. And then on top of that, there's the Hornquist injury, which is, I think, a bigger loss than, you know, perhaps anticipated, you know, at the start of the year, losing a guy like that. Yeah, it's definitely far from ideal. Um, it's, it's a big chunk of your scoring there that's out of the lineup. And 
it's never easy to adapt to that. It it just isn't. So, um, but there have been guys that have stepped up and especially Carter Verhage in that game against, um, last night. Yeah. Last night, Dallas. Dallas. Sorry. Um, I mean, that was just, that, that was great. And and then Aaron Ekblad just continuing an unreal season so far. Um, guys are stepping up but it's obviously a lot harder without two key guys like Hornquist and Barkov in the lineup yeah I mean all things considered like the the, this team's been fairly healthy for most of the year right they've been fortunate in that regard compared to some other teams uh but anytime you lose two guys in your top six I guess it's not going to help your overall team play for sure um but it has been nice to see guys step up and at least you know, fill in some of the gap where they can. We saw last night Carter Verhage just couldn't be stopped. And right now, as it stands, he is he has more than doubled his point total from last season in like 20 fewer games, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, it's a huge testament to his skill and um, just what he's been able to bring on the ice. Yeah, and it's it just seems like he's that perfect type of guy who is like underutilized in Tampa Bay just because of the the players that they already have there that would thrive somewhere else. So the fact that you know he's able to come to Florida on an inexpensive deal and play the way he has has just been exceptional. It's exactly what the teams needed. Um, and I I think really I like I don't think much has changed for Carter Verhage as a player. I think he's always been this good. It's just having the opportunity and, and thriving in, in those situations. He's just been excellent this season. Absolutely. I mean, and, and it's funny because very little people like actually realize it. Yeah, I think he was one of the the free agent signings that really flew under the radar. Yeah. Right. And I mean, the Panthers, they, they made a big splash in free agency. They went out and got some guys um, and it really kind of fits the mold of they went out and they basically got like reclamation projects, you know, for, for a lot of players. Yeah. And I mean, when we were doing our, our, our season preview, I know for a fact, I had Verhage, I think on the fourth line, if playing at all, um, I, 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 I just like, he, I, I was not expecting him to have the impact that he's had so far. Like not at all. He came out of the, nowhere for me. Yeah, he's like I followed them a bit last year just because you know, I have to watch a lot of games for work. And like I, I loved what he brought. Uh, and then you look at, you know, all the underlying metrics and they all look fairly good. And it's easy to say, oh, this is a guy who is going to thrive somewhere else. But really, it, it's so hard to tell because Tampa Bay is such a good team and it's hard to tell who's the guy who's driving. Like, is he the reason? that, you know, everything's looking good, or is it his line mates? Is it just Tampa Bay as a team and their system? How is that going to translate? Like, there are lots of players who seem like good fits and good players to bring in at the time that don't work out. Uh, so it's nice that this is a situation where Verhage was to come in. And really, like, the expectations weren't high, and he's surpassed, I think, any expectation any Panthers fan would have had for him. I, it was such a low-risk, high-reward. Yeah, and, and, kind of deal, like signing wise. It just 
like even if he wasn't playing, I wouldn't be saying like, oh, like it was a mistake to sign Carter Verhage. I would have been like, ah, okay. But I mean, the fact that he's like been able to put up what he's what he's done so far, like a bit bit past halfway in the season, um, it just makes the deal so much better. Um, although I do think it was a one year deal, or was it a two year deal? I can't remember. Uh, I'm gonna check out it now. Uh because I can't remember, to be honest. But, yeah, it seems to fit. Like, that was a lot of the guys that the Panthers brought in were just, like, very minimal risk. He's got one more year. Oh, that's uh, awesome. At a million dollars, which is just an absolute steal. But that was, like, the guys they brought in this summer were fairly low-risk guys, high reward, right? Like, even, like, even bringing in a guy like Patrick Hornquist, like, it was a very slim chance he was going to perform worse than what Mike Matheson had given you in that play-in series. Exactly. I mean, which is why I, I thought the move was so bizarre from Pittsburgh. Um, I haven't looked up Mike Matheson this season. Um, I'm going to do that right now. But, like, it, it seemed so obvious that one player was at least going to produce – a bit in the mid at minimum, you know, but yeah. well, I mean, and, and really, he's got five points this year. Yeah, exactly. Right, and, and it wasn't so much that it was just like it just seemed, it was such a weird deal where it seemed like Florida was getting the better player and the better contract. Honest, the the trade came through, and we we looked at each other like, like this is incredible. Yeah, the fact honestly, the fact that they were able to trade that contract at all was incredible. The fact that they got a usable asset is just you know the cherry on top, really. Exactly. It's honestly like shout out to Bill Zito for that. I don't know how he convinced um, Jim Rutherford to to make the deal, but he did it. I, it's pretty impressive. Oh, incredibly impressive. But obviously with Hornquist now out here for who knows how long, someone else is going to have to step up and fill that void because he has been a, a key player for this team uh, this season and definitely will be missed, especially on that power play. Uh, and it was – I won't lie. Like I was I was feeling a bit nervous about yesterday yesterday's game going into Dallas. You know, I was a bit, you know, worried that they were going to drop that one just because of the guys they have missing. Um, but everyone stepped up. Bobrovsky was solid. And then Aaron Ekblad in OT, I mean, gets the one called back. Doesn't matter. Does it again. Uh, <laughs> that was just such a such a display of – I don't know. I'm not sure what to call it. I mean – Puck um, don't lie. Puck don't lie, karma. I mean, what, whatever you want to call it. I was just – that was just so that, – that was so good. Yeah, and, and the, the win celebration after everyone fired up. I mean, in the pass, the pass for that goal by Jonathan Huberto was just it's underrated is what it is. Yeah, I mean, the entire team, although I will say, you know, it's like slowly I'm starting to hear people come around on the on the Panthers being a legitimate team. I mean, mostly, be, mostly because, you know, because COVID and everything, I don't really go and like, you know, hang out with other people other than you know my six roommates 
and I subject them all to watching Panthers games, you know, at all times. But they're slowly starting to figure it out that this team's legit. And hopefully uh, can make, you know, a nice push here and get healthy uh, for the stretch. But uh, I figure we should probably talk. There's, there's some other stuff going on around the NHL to talk about. Uh, you know, just quick, you know, kind of update stuff. Uh, we'll start off. First of all, Buffalo Sabres. I mean, in your opinion, like, is this one of the worst seasons, like, just an organization and team has, like, had? Yeah, it's reminiscent of Colorado, what, the year before Patrick? The 47-point season. Like, that was that was brutal. I mean, yeah, it's it, – there's, like – you. sorry. When you think about Buffalo this year, you just think about toxicity. Like, when I think of the Avs, when they had their 47-point season, I just think of them being, like, really, really bad. You know, it seems like there's an added thing on top of Buffalo this year that just really doesn't make you want to look at them. No, it's just tried to look. It was like, I mean, they're, they're 17 game winless streak now, which is insane. Uh, they had their coaching staff out with COVID protocols. They've had, you know, Jack Eichel's been out with injury. Uh, they've just been brutal. And then they trade Eric Stahl this week for a couple draft picks. Uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts on that move. And- I thought it was a, I thought it was a good move. Um, I had priced him at a third rounder. That was when I heard about the rumors. I was like, okay, like a third rounder. Like if they ask for much more, like you just you, you know you can't really bite the bullet. But I mean, a third and a fifth for Eric Stahl, <laughs> and you think about the fact that Montreal still has two third round picks and two fifth round picks seems like a pretty free deal for them. Um, it seems like a no brainer, but I really think the other move that happened this week went under the radar. I thought the Brandon Lemieux trade to Los Angeles. I thought that was an absolute steal for the Kings. I mean, I'm not a big Brandon Lemieux guy, right? Like, and I don't see the Kings as being like, I don't know. I was just, I don't understand what, like, why. Really. I don't understand why the Kings did it. I really don't. Um, I can understand why the Rangers did it, obviously. Uh, but I, for some reason, I thought that he would be worth more than a fourth, fourth round pick. Like, he's a young guy. Maybe not the most talented, but he's a pest. He's the kind of guy that you need on your team. See, <clears throat> for me, Brandon, like Brandon, you're absolutely right. It's a pest, but I don't know if he has like enough skill to be like a really good pest. Like a really good pest can actually play the game. Exactly. I don't see, I don't see a ton of ability there. I, I mean, Brad Marchand's the best example of this. Is you, you got to be able to play. Um, yeah, and same thing with th- Matthew Kachuk. Like, Matthew Kachuk is a very good hockey player. Yeah. Um, I um, I don't know how much ice time he was getting in New York. And I can only assume he's going to get much more in L.A. based on their, um, how do you say this, mediocre lineup. Um, 
I think it's going to be interesting. I, I'm excited to see him, especially if he gets to play more minutes. Um, I, it's the type of player I like. Yeah, I just like I, I like I like the idea. But like I don't like I don't think Brendan will use that stick or anything. Like no, like I, but fourth rounder doesn't seem expensive at all for him though. No, but it's also like why like you're the LA like you're the LA Kings and you're not in a playoff spot. You're not going to be in a playoff spot. Like why not just like keep the pick and roll the dice at that point? Oh yeah, absolutely. The, like the trade makes no sense. But once they made it, they still won it. I mean, I get, like I mean. It's one of those ones, like, does anyone really win or lose? Like, the Rangers got rid of a player, like, a very replaceable player, and they kind of had to because they have guys coming in. Yeah. And L.A. gets, you know, rid of a draft pick that's not going to amount to anything, and they get a guy who is, you know, an NHL player. Like, So I guess it's, like, kind of a win for both teams. They kind of get what they want. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that point of view. Um I just given my biased opinion about liking Brandon Lemieux. Yeah, I don't like Brandon Lemieux. So exactly. I, like so. I don't like. I don't know. There's nothing about his game that like stands out to me. Of like, I would give up an asset for that. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's a fourth round pick. Yeah, it's not like they gave up a lot. Like it's yeah, it's practically nothing. Well, and that's the thing too. Like with the Eric Stahl trade, right? And it's two picks that go back, and you know those picks. In any draft year, a third and a fifth rounder are very unlikely to amount to an NHL player. But then you factor in that this year is such a weird draft year anyways because, you know, players aren't playing or they are playing or they're in different leagues that it's been really hard for teams and scouts to evaluate. The chance of that player turn like you getting a legitimate player there probably drops even more so because of that. Yeah, I, it's, it, that's, that's a great point. Um it's it just draft picks are so tricky in that sense is no you're most likely not going to get a really good player later in those rounds but there's always that possibility that you do find a diamond in the rough yeah and teams always love to have picks just to have you know it's not it's not likely you're gonna win the lottery but if you have more tickets you're more likely to for sure Absolutely. That's a great right, way to if, look at it. Right. So there is that element to it. Uh, but I'm, I'm curious to know how teams are going to be valuing draft picks. Um, Cause like a third, like a third round pick, like it's not really a ton to give up, but it's probably even less so because well, of this draft year. I, I'm, I'm trying to think in a non COVID year, I'm pretty sure Eric Stahl would have gone for a very similar price if not the exact same yeah which is which is why i find that interesting i thought teams would value draft picks less so they'd want higher picks yeah and like eric stall's not having a great year in buffalo mind you it is buffalo too so who knows what's actually happening yeah i i mean i i saw a thing about when they, they fired everyone over the over this before the bubble i think it was before the bubble um they they kept a really really small staff and they're starting to hire more people now uh the hockey operations side that that is so it's going to be really interesting to see where this team is going because i have no idea you have no idea i don't even 
Well, that's the thing. Like, oh, there's there's a lot of teams that like suck around the National Hockey League. It's not just the Buffalo Sabres, but at least with like a lot of teams, like you see, like okay, they have a plan. Like Ottawa, you know, is going to be good in three years. Yeah, like there, there's a lot of teams that are like they're bad, but they're intentionally bad. Like there's no way Detroit thought they were going to be a good team this year, no. right? But they've gotten you know assets and guys they can move at the deadline for more picks. Like they've done. There's there's a plan in place, and you can see that plan. But it's like. And then the same thing with the Ottawa Senators. They knew they were going to be bad. They had some, you know, they have some good young players. They bring in some random bets who are terrible, right? And it's like, all right, well, that's something. I know what they're trying to do. And then you look at Buffalo, and they go and they bring in Taylor Hall, and it's like, yeah, that's a team that's trying to, you know, move the needle, right? You don't bring in Taylor Hall because you're trying to lose. I mean, historically, it's helped, but yeah, um, exactly. We expected Buffalo to be better, and and. Taylor, because Taylor Hall said that he wants to go to a contender. And then he went to Buffalo and everyone then was went like, to Buffalo and everyone was like, well, what does this mean? Either he's a liar or an idiot. And it turns out he was both. Well, um, so it'll be interesting to see if he finds his way out of that situation. But I mean, not. So, so yeah, they, they trade away Eric Stahl. The, apparently the entire team's up for grabs. Taylor Hall is most definitely going to get traded, I would assume. Buffalo has nothing to gain by keeping him because the, the whole reason he went to Buffalo was Ralph Kruger. And that guy's gone. And he's gone. Um, I, if, if Buffalo does not trade Taylor Hall, that will be the most Buffalo Sabres thing that has ever happened. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a curious situation because he's by far and away the most attractive, you know, deadline target. But like, to make it work for a lot of teams, Buffalo is either going to have to retain salary or take money back. It's probably a pure rental for most teams. What's the price on that going to be? You know, and if it's, if it's a first rounder, like, I don't even, like, I don't think that's not an extreme price to pay at all. I I think, I think they're going to need more than a first rounder. Oh, it's yeah. It's going to start with first rounder, but like, you know, there's some teams that are hesitant to move, you know, a high pick like that. Yeah. But let's say you're, you know, you think you're a contending team and you have your first and second round pick in a draft year like this, the gap between those two picks and the players you get, I don't think is as big as it would be in a normal draft year. Because A, this draft year is incredibly close and jumbled just before COVID and everything. It already was like that. Now it's kind of up in the air. So is the guy you get at 28 going to be different than the guy you get at 56? I think that really depends on, you know, how good your, your scouts and draft team is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, if I have a second, if I have a second round pick and I think I'm going to be picking late in the first round. Yeah. I'd make that deal any day and I'll throw in whatever else they want. If I can get Taylor Hall in my lineup without subtracting too much, I think it's, it's a huge boost. Yeah. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see who, who goes for him and how much, Salary is retained by Buffalo. I mean, they already retained 50% of Eric Stahl's salary, um, which which would you would assume means that they're they're very open to the idea of retaining salary for Taylor Hall. Um, it, it's going to depend who who is the highest bidder. Yeah, it's going to depend on that, and then whether Buffalo wants to either retain salary or take on a player with the inflated cap hit. Yeah, yeah. Because those are really the only two ways it, it can work out. So it'll be interesting to see how Buffalo does. 
<clears throat> I mean, there it is. It's it's like a car crash you can't look away from, you know, at this point. Yeah, that's that's such a great way to put it. Um, yeah, it's like it's you know it's tragic, it's awful, it's going terribly, but like you you kind of just like you know peek out of the corner of your eye because you kind of yeah. want to see what happens <laughs> next. Like, you know, I'm not you know, I have no interest in the Sabers at all, but I watched the Sabers game yesterday because I was like, maybe today's the day they do it. Maybe they get the win today, <laughs> and it, it almost was. It was looking good for a little bit. It, it really was. I I really thought they were going to pull it off um, against. I mean, Boston, nonetheless, on a Boston um, team without Brad Marchand and playing their third string goalie. And they were so close, so close. And just what, like three, three fifty left in the third. Yeah. Um, nonetheless, I, they're obviously very open to business. Um, an interesting team to look at that we talked about earlier in our previous deadline, uh, episodes is nashville who is on a nice little run here really nice run uh i think they just passed uh columbus for fifth two points out from chicago but they're on a four-game winning streak and have won six of their past 10 and lost one in ot which i mean i'm, I'm pretty i'm pretty impressed with what i'm seeing so far like recently from nashville <laughs> Yeah, like they've been they've been much better recently. <coughs> Sorry, I, but I think go a, a lot of that success, like to me, they kind of seem similar to Chicago, where it's like they're they're very reliant on their goaltending. Yeah, and so like obviously great for them, and you know they're they're having you know a nice run here, but how sustainable is that? It, it it's hard to tell, but I mean you never know. You, you really never no, know. No, you never know. But you, you've got to assume that it's going to affect their strategy at the deadline. Well, it does make – like, if they if they can make a push for, you know, and they look like they might, you know, grab that last playoff spot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a re- very, very realistic um, scenario. <clears throat> Although they have Columbus <clears throat> in the mix. It's going to be a really tight race, I think, for, for that last spot and – in the discover central yeah um yeah it's gonna be a really tough race like right now the top three is pretty look they're comfortable they're in a comfortable spot uh yeah. right now florida carolina and tampa bay I, I i haven't looked at money puck but i'd be willing to bet that odds are very very high for the, i imagine i imagine they're the around 90 the, the playoffs i'm just gonna look it up right now um yeah, Florida's at 97%, Carolina's at 99 and Tampa's at 99 as well. Yeah, they're they're looking like walks for the playoffs. So but that fourth spot is very much up for grabs uh between the other teams in the division. Um but talking about Nashville here, so I just pulled up UC Saros's stats from the last five games while well, they've been on this stretch. And these are his save percentages: 976, 979. 100, 952, and a 967. Yeah, it's... He, like, he's he, been... All, he's on fire. Practically unbeatable. And that's what you need, is especially in the playoffs, but it's a really good question you bring up. Is is that sustainable? Yeah, is it is it sustainable? And is it a situation where it's kind of masking other issues on the roster? 
And is it going to delude people to think that this team is better than they are? And how does, how does Nashville management, you know, view their roster? Are they still going to sell off pieces at the deadline? Uh, it's all kind of up in the air at this point. The one thing though, that will help with the deadline though, that we didn't talk about is that uh, the Canadian government said they would only do a seven day quarantine for uh, NHL players coming in, which is big news. Which is what, what Eric Stahl is going through right now. Um, and any NCAA player that gets signed uh, also. Because yeah. Cole Caulfield signed. I mean, Cole Caulfield signed. I, whenever, uh, I think North Dakota won, right? That was the longest game in... North Dakota lost yesterday. Oh, they lost. The they lost. They lost. Yeah, yeah, they, they lost to Minnesota. The UMD, yeah. Um, longest game in tournament history. Five overtimes, which is just... Insane. Reminiscent of Tampa Bay and Columbus. Nightmares from that game. Um, yeah, like... Uh, but congrats like, to them for, you know... Like, claw your eyes out long. Um, but, I mean, Ottawa. Ottawa has a couple people on, on North Dakota that could be in that, in that range of maybe getting signed. Um, Dylan Holloway in Edmonton. I don't know what's going on with that. Um, He's... Uh, he, I, I think he will sign, but he's hurt his thumb. He's oh, broken okay. thumb. So oh. they're there. Like, that, that'll be. Yeah, you probably can't play hockey with a broken thumb. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see all these American university players um, that, that are, are thinking about taking that next step in their, their hockey career. Yeah. Um, cool. And signing pro is they're, they're going to have to go through this quarantine. Yeah, and we, we talked about it too when we were talking more about trade deadline stuff was that that was like a real barrier for Canadian teams was the 14-day quarantine and that, you know, it was probably going to pressure them to make moves earlier and uh, be a real factor around the trade deadline. And literally as soon as it came out, they said, yeah, 70 are good to go. Like within 24 hours, Montreal went out and got Eric Stahl and now they have Cole Caulfield coming in. Like it's it's a- Caulfield, Caulfield is going straight to Laval, though, which is which is interesting. Um, I mean, they've got a really good group uh, led by Joël Bouchard, who was like the GM of Hockey Junior Can- uh, the, the World Junior Team for Hockey Canada for you sure I don't about know how that? many years. Um, what's that? You didn't sound too confident there. <laughs> Um, yeah, he, he's, and, and he, he, he had a, a Q team before he, he took the job and in Laval is, uh, I think the, the importance is not to rush his development and it's going to be interesting to see what other teams do with their, uh, college guys. Well, but- yeah. And it's interesting because you mentioned, uh, Ottawa and Edmonton too, like, what they do with their guys because Montreal and Edmonton are in much different situation than Ottawa right now. Yeah. So like Ottawa is probably more likely to play a younger player. Although we have seen absolutely everything from DJ Smith this season. Yeah. The guys, guys all over the place. I love it. He's an enigma. He is. He is the enigma. He's over the place, but it's, yeah, it's, I mean, again, we're, we're now two weeks away from the deadline um, and I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if the Panthers are going to be in on, on too many players. Uh, but they're, 
they're in a good spot, and they just waived uh, Anton Strawman this week, uh, sending him through to the taxi squad. No one picked him up as expected. Um, so, yeah. a, you know, a little bit more cap flexibility there. Uh, interesting to see if they do anything with it. And the, Bill Zito's going into this deadline, like, already with a, a fair amount of um, cap maneuverability. So it's going to be really interesting to see if he does anything. Yeah, the opportunity is there for sure. Uh, I don't know what the market's going to be on a lot of guys, what teams are going to be willing to spend. Um and I mean, and it's going to be a lot of, I imagine it's going to be a lot of dollar in, dollar out type deals. Yeah. Um, Just because teams are in that spot because of the flat cap. Mm-hmm. And especially on anybody who has more than a year left on their contract. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be. Which I, I think we'll see less trades involving those types of players, but we'll see. Yeah. Less trades like the one last year with like Blake Coleman, where it was. You know, he had the extra year. That was Tampa made some odd moves. I thought at the time, like the they made the Barkley Goodrow and the Blake Coleman trades, and I was I like, was... did they, like did they overpay for both those players? Probably, but they won the cup, so you they can't they, the you can't at the end of the like if you if you win the cup, it doesn't really matter what you paid for the guys. Yeah, exactly. Um, right, and and. Not to change the subject too much, but I'm just going off the the like different odds that they have on Money Puck, and you look at Buffalo. That's 16.9 percent odds of of winning the draft lottery. Okay, you gotta, you gotta feel for them a little, given the perceived value of this upcoming draft class. Is people have not have been saying this is a very weak weak draft. Like, you got to like, feel for Buffalo. I mean, it's yeah, it's it's a situation where like a like I don't have a ton of faith in their ability to draft, anyways. If I'm being honest, like they have a lot of guys that they've taken in the first round that just have not done anything. Mm-hmm. So, like other than like yeah, Eichel and Darlene and those guys were consensus number one picks, or well, I mean Eichel number two. Like those were consensus picks that they just you know hit. But then you saw like this. Last draft they went and took Jack Quinn and everyone was like, "Why?" When Marco I mean they had Marco Rossi, Rossi right yeah. Um, I mean uh, Casey Middlestat was not a great, great draft pick. I th- they've had a few of just nothing ever happened. Yeah. Now there is this thing though where because obviously it's going terribly for Buffalo, <laughs> but I've seen these charts on Twitter which are called sadness charts. Oh boy. And so it is basically the team with the highest chance of missing the playoffs and not having a top five pick. So you're just in that gray zone of terrible and Buffalo is pretty low because they're so likely to pick on the top five. But according to this, the saddest team right now is a tie between Arizona and the New York Rangers. Oh no. Which is already Arizona. Not great. Arizona has not been good either. I mean, last night though, Phil. No, no, sorry. Night. Um, I don't mean not good. Just uh, they're in kind of a similar spot with Buffalo, where they have not been able to get a consistent like 
a decent team together to actually make the playoffs and maybe make a push. I mean, they technically made it last year. Yeah, let's see. It doesn't really count. I mean, it... we'll, we'll, they, they technically made it, so we'll count it kind of. Fine. But the, like Arizona and Buffalo, they're both not great. But Buffalo is different because they have, you know, Eichel and Dalene who are like pillar cornerstone pieces, right? Yeah. In Arizona, like you have your pillar on defense is Jacob Chitrin, who's had an outstanding year, right? That's your guy. That would mm-hmm. be your, your Rasmus Dalene equivalent. But then up front, like who's the guy? Like like Clayton Keller supposed to be the guy. He's not. I like Nick Schmaltz a lot. He never shoots the puck, but like he's a good player. But there's no like one guy to like carry that offense. Yeah, and I as much as I love Connor Garland and I think he was a stud as a junior um player, I don't think that he's he's able to carry a team either. I he's he's a goal scorer that's he's a small guy he can only do so much um that they they need that guy and it was obviously not taylor hall yeah like they have they have a bunch of like second line players really and then there's yeah. no but then they don't have the top end guy there's that, a few teams in the league like that yeah well yeah absolutely there is um and the teams that are struggling and it's kind of it's kind of nice ducks for a while. I mean, Florida Panthers, you know, were that team that was, you know, perennial basement dweller. It's nice that they're on the come up right now. Um, it is a little bit unfortunate though. It's happening in a season where you know you can only have limited fans in the building. Yeah. Right. Like I think that's just devastating for for this team because yeah, I yeah I mean and just for hockey in Florida in general. Yeah, like hockey in Florida thrives when the team does well. But that's because, you know, the buildings are full, you know, fuller. Fans are there. It's interested. The buzz around the city. I don't think it's the same effect when you don't have fans in the building. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't have this. It's You're not building up the sport in the same way. And so to yeah. have a, a year like this where the team's been really, really good and been a lot of fun to watch and the fans just can't be there for it in person, at least not many of them, is just brutal. Yeah, um, just not good. Not good in the long term. Definitely not. Yeah, and I mean that's like all, like all the Sun Belt teams. Like fans show up when the team's good, and then even the teams, you know, the team starts to regress. They'll stay there for a bit, and then it'll slowly wane down. And then you got to be good again. Um, and it's just tough right now that you know this team would be in a much better spot right now because of the way they're playing if they had the fans there for their, you know, long-term financial future and just for hockey in Florida in general mm-hmm. uh, would be massive. And so it just, it sucks that, you know, this is the year where they're finally, you know, in it and looking like, you know, they could be a contender. Yeah. But, I, I mean, definitely a contender. It's going to be really interesting to see what they do at the deadline. Cause that's really going to signify what, what they exactly are. If they are a cup contender, if they're just, that this isn't their year, but maybe the next couple of years. Yeah. And that, that's the thing too, is like, because they kind of come out of nowhere, like, you know, last year they were a fringe playoff team this year. They're very much going to be a playoff team. Um, it's just how sustainable is this right now? Right. Like, like what's the window to win? And it's, it's really tough. 
because there's not a lot of clarity on that because you have guys with contracts coming up yeah right after next year huberto or sorry barkov's gonna need to be paid like there's there's gonna be some tough choices that need to be made and i don't know what the window to win is like i don't know if this year's their best shot or if next year like i don't know when it is because because you have to also think about the fact that you have guys like anton lindell that are coming in they could potentially like create a big impact on the team. Yeah. Like they, yeah, they do have some really good young players coming in. It's just, are they going to be able to move enough bad contracts off the books to make up and pay for their, you know, for Barkov and Huberto and then to have the young guys in on their ELCs. Right. So mm-hmm. I think it could be a situation where, you know, they've taken a big step forward this year. They might take a step back next year and then be back to being a perennial contending team if players develop accordingly yeah I, it's i i think that so i we can expect denisenko and lindell maybe not next year for sure but in two years to be on the opening line night lineup i i like i'd be willing to put money on it right now oh absolutely and you probably have <laughs> spencer knight or devin levi yeah, so this whole Bobrovsky situation becomes incredibly interesting. Um, you can't buy him out. That's just not that's not feasible. You can't a trade tr- him. A trade is just near impossible. You would literally have to give up more than like substantially more. I mean, what um, if it was what if it was Bobrovsky for Jeff Skinner though? I'm trying to get rid of a bad contract, not take one on. It's slightly less but, money. It's slightly less money. And he, he, it, I would do it if, um, if I was very confident in Spencer Knight or Devin Levi being my starter. That's the only situation I, I, I would do with Bobrovsky for Skinner trade. And that's what, at least three years from now. Yeah, like it's 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 gonna be tricky. Like that contract from the moment it was signed, and then especially after they drafted Spencer Knight. I mean, and that was the old you know management team, but it was like it just confusion. It was like, what are you that, doing? Yeah, that was just really, really just a weird draft pick. Um, and I think Bobrovsky's contract is fine for the next two to four years. Um, but I think it's going to become an issue if you have another starter or two others that are going to be earning substantially less than him. Yeah, I think it's really it's going to be an issue when guys like young guys like Lindell and Denisenko come off their ELCs and need to get paid, and assuming they're playing well enough to deserve a decent amount of money. Yeah, that's when it gets really tricky. Yeah. And that that's not going to be you know a fun time. But right now, I mean, I'm just trying to enjoy this season and you know the Absolutely. team and the success. I mean, it's been a long time coming. Like this is in my mind, this is the best Panthers team we've seen in our lifetime. I I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. I, right. I don't think we were yeah. And like we're like we're, we're we're you know we're big Panthers fans and you know we love watching the team. But I've never been like this excited to watch the Panthers play, you know, every time. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, Alice again today. 
right? Like there's yeah, and there's no like there's no time where I'm watching them go into a game and I'm like, oh, like like there's been years in the past where it's like they'll go in to play Tampa or Carolina or someone good, and it's like, man, they're really not gonna like they're not gonna win this game. But in every game is a winnable game for for this Panthers team. Exactly. And, it, and that's so that's exci- exciting. And what's what's even more exciting on top of that is is really like having guys on the ice that, you know, every time they're on the ice, they could score a goal. Yeah, like goals can come from everywhere. They're not as top heavy. They're deeper. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, guys are coming in their own. Aaron Ackblad's been phenomenal. The top guys have been the top guys. You know, the low risk bets, most of them are, are hitting and panning out. So it's, yeah, it's just a great season. So I think, you know, don't think about the future too much. Just try to enjoy it. And hopefully the team can continue their success down the stretch here, get healthier and make a real push and hopefully, you know, bring it all home. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and so it's going to be, it's going to be a fun ride here down the stretch. It, it, it really is going to be. Yeah. Uh, so that does it for this episode of the podcast. Thank you to everyone tuning in, listening. We will be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Uh, so take care. Have a great rest of the day and we will see you all then.